Hello and welcome to Do the Right Thing. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are two podcasters who forgot how to write, so we're doing this podcast so that we can we can get better at the skill that we never practice. And to get better, we are issuing a challenge. Each week you sit down and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read a story, we talk about what we learned in writing it or reading it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you wonderful listeners. Hey, it was simply here to help you do the right thing. I didn't understand any of the words that you said there, but that's, yeah, that's fantastic. It's a Doof Media production. That's what we're, that's what we're all about. Um, how's it, how's it going, mm-hmm. Jarvis? It is going pretty good. Class is in full swing and I'm feeling it. Uh, this is my last year at a good old college Unt. and I Unt is the name of, a, wish, of the college. Yeah, Unt. Unt College. And I uh, really wish that it would go by quicker, but I also wish that after I'm done with with college, I don't have to, I don't have to step into the real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, a wonderful little uh, little uh, precarious position we have ourselves in here. Um, on my yeah. end, I I have a Egyptology class, uh, which is actually mm-hmm. the name of the field, which is kind of kind of wild. Um, <laughs> Egyptologist. Yeah, I'm an Egyptologist. I mean, there I mean, there's like, isn't there like a lot of uncovered history when it comes to to Egypt? I mean. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean by uncovered history, but yeah, there's a lot to to work off of because we have so many, mm-hmm. so much stuff because they have they're in a desert <laughs> and they put stuff underground because they were really smart and they wanted us to look at it. Thank, thank you, Mr. Mm-hmm. Egypt. Um, did you know there was? Did you know? <laughs> did you know there was a scorpion king? There was a real scorpion king. There's a guy. There's a guy. He's called the Scorpion oh, King. Oh, so he's it, a real guy. So it wasn't Dwayne the Rock Johnson in those three movies. Well, no, that was a CGI person. That wasn't. Oh, that wasn't yeah. the Rock. He wasn't really there. Um, mm, no, see. he was not actually half scorpion. Actually, I haven't read that chapter, but we did talk about the scorpion. On like the second day of class, a kid raised his mm-hmm. hand and then asked about, what about the scorpion king? And I was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> is, this is a joke. It was haha, very funny. And he's like, oh yeah, we'll be covering it that next week. And I was like, what? And then in my notes <laughs> from that day, you can see there's a scorpion king and then un- that's underlined three times and there's like six question marks next to it which is really <laughs> I, and oh, oh also, also actually to um to 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 make the plot thicken some more um uh did you know there's actually two scorpion kings there's a scorpion king there's one and a scorpion king two so did the second scorpion <laughs> king kill the uh, kill the first for his title perhaps that that's the way i imagined mm. it to go down in a duel of the fates wow. um so <laughs> that's that's my life oh also speaking of so you know that like blue like scarab color that often shows up in like art of egyptians like not necessarily like actual egyptian art but like you know like the like the shiny yeah. blue scarab beetle kind of thing mm-hmm. so i got a nail polish mm-hmm. that's kind of like that and i feel like Ooh. it must be enchanted or something because i stare at it way too much like i i might have mentioned last last time we talked but like literally i was in i was yeah. in the the shower and i must have spent at least 10 minutes just staring at how the light reflected through like the water droplets <laughs> on it yeah. i don't well, also it, it... It is a very enchanting color. It is. Like, it's that sort of, like, deep blue, and it's almost got, like a husky And black. it's got some sparkles in there, too. So, it's, like, it changes mm-hmm. in every direction. It's got a little purple, too. So, uh, yeah, that's... I've been... I'm, like, I'm, like, narcissist staring into, you know, a mirror, except <laughs> it's my nails, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> I've never given this much of a shit about it before, but it's just, like, I can't not look at it constantly. It's weird. 
Well, hey, I think you might have found a fetish. So, yeah. Oh, that I'm too. just kidding. I was with a girl who had Speaking... a who had a nail polish fetish. That was it was interesting. <laughs> I got some stuff from her though, so that was good. Oh, really? Huh. I I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, apparently. Um uh, for well, her Speaking of fetish. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can just No, no, no. Sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. Let okay. me Come on. Let me tell my my fetish stories. For for her, and we're not <laughs> we're not kink shaming here. That's I mean, like out of all the fetishes, that's super like That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's it's good. Uh but um you know the so the movie Holes, right? There's a uh yes. the evil the Sigur- the Sigourney Weaver exactly character. Yeah, she has about, yes. rattlesnake poison mm-hmm. on her fingernail <laughs> polish. I think it's to to kill people or something. I I haven't seen it mm-hmm. since I was very young. But uh that's that's bump, bump. the the formative the the kink maker as they call it in kink mm. college, which is right next to where the clown college actually. Honestly, when I watched that that movie, I was unnaturally attracted to her i i don't think uh, it's un- i think it's very natural to be attracted to sigourney weaver as she commands a bunch of teen boys like if you true, are a true. teen boy but i mean like as a kid i was like mm, if she stabbed me with with those nails i don't know what i would do <laughs> all right yeah so speaking of fetishes <laughs> Speaking of fetishes, this week is do the edit soon. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this is okay. our second time doing this, I think. Yeah, I think so. And, and then, all, of yeah. course, there's also the um, all of the the the, the contests are kind of do the edit thing, sort of. So mm-hmm. the do for the right thing contest. Yes, but uh, the words for this week were brand merit, brand merit. E- evoke and offensive and i am really glad to, to see that we got plenty of of stories that definitely did the entire process of going through and uh, making their pieces better so i'm really excited to read yeah it was this. awesome uh to see you know people posted the a link to their original stories and you can see all the the changes that happen um mm-hmm. and yeah how those things were decided and yeah it was really really cool to see people reflecting like that so good job yeah definitely and I guess in honor of doing the edit thing, I brought my own story, um, which has fetishes from, in it. I think, which is that's that's yes. that's why there was that's that's what the transition was about. That was that was the lead in, and I think um, this is a story that I wrote on week seventeen. Is that one of our lost episodes? Or? Uh I, I I don't think we have that many lost episodes, right? We only have like the one, which is the one we recorded before we were like, this is a podcast now. Right? Mm, true, true, yeah, yeah. I have no idea what I wrote for that <laughs> week, actually. I have no idea. For episode zero. Because it wasn't like our official first episode. Right. Cause I know the because I know the one that we labeled first isn't the first one we had like three uh before that was it but yeah three? This, i thought it was uh, just like one. I don't know i don't know because because i because i remember we were like really kind of spitting around this idea for a bit and we at least recorded twice uh maybe not full eps but we definitely like sat in that small room in the mm-hmm. um in the like uh rtfp building uh, working with that old ass tech that they gave us. Yes. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, so uh, this story that I brought was from the 17th week of uh, Do the Right Thing. And yeah, this was a, uh, this was a story that I really did like. It was a um, trial at a completely different voice, uh, more sort of um, diary-esque, but not, you know, as, I guess, soapy as that kind of typically lends it uh, lends itself to be, uh, and I decided to take that initial comedic story and give it a more um, what's the word for it? Give it more purpose, mm-hmm. give it more character, make it mean a lot more than just a very funny situation. <laughs> well, um, for um, for those who don't remember that story, which I imagine is everyone, considering who has a memory to remember from a random number, the whole story. Yeah, um, I, I didn't remember. Yeah, so go go and go and read it, um, and uh, so you can see all the the changes. So go ahead and hit pause. Go to episode seventeen. You can probably search seventeen on the subreddit, or go to episode seventeen and listen to the whole thing, um, or or whatever else, and then and then come back, or just just listen through. Either one's valid. Yeah, but you know, for uh, for those who who don't want to pause and scroll through our 95 fucking episodes i guess a quick little summary of it would would be a uh a boy is locked in a basement because his his girlfriend's parents are home uh while they were mid-coitus that's a good way to put it yep um so uh, well on that actually is there anything you want to talk about uh before we read it about how like how the editing process went or or anything like that um yeah i mean i think the only thing that uh i could really say is that i'm really glad that i did decide to edit this story uh because i think because this story was so far from myself you know in uh, you know it's well in the past something that i'm not really thinking of or trying to work on anytime soon i really allowed myself to completely change everything uh like everything about it beyond just the premise yeah and i think that is why i'm more proud of this version than the other version of of course i wish that i had like uh, a like whole week to really try and uh edit it because i think that what i do have right uh, right now is a really good starting point Mm -hmm. on something that could mean a a lot more than it uh, currently does but yeah i'm just really glad that um i was able to take something that i thought at first was just a funny lump of dirt and try you know condense it down to something that might resemble a diamond (laughs) all right um let's get into it uh, so yeah, be, before I go ahead and hop into uh, into the story, I guess for a like slight warning, this this story does have some a uh, light se- uh, some light sexual talks, uh, sexual themes, um, and it also does deal with race and sort of how it that sort of crosses over into sexuality in some aspects. Uh, I wouldn't say that it isn't too bad, but you know, if, if that's something that, uh, kind of irks you, uh, I wouldn't mind, you know, you can skip certain sections. Yep. Um, how long is the story reading? The story reading? Yeah. Um, I did like a long take. It was about 40 minutes, but I, but I read it twice. Um, so after sort of cutting it down, it'll probably end at about 15 roughly. Okay. 
So go ahead and just uh, skip forward 15 minutes if that if that you know something you want to avoid. But otherwise, just keep on listening. So the title of this one is "Just Hanging Out in My Girlfriend's Basement for Obvious Parent-Related Reasons." 9:20 p.m. I've been down here for a while, an hour actually, based on the clock. I walked around this dark little hole of dust and webs, fucked around with knickknacks and yearbooks that let me know Mr. Briggs misses his heyday. Then I realized the light switch was a clapper, which was a dumb idea in the 80s and still is now. The lights were dim, however, little more than candlelight in a cavern. Counted four tungsten bulbs in the entire basement that flit color along the gray walls. But it was enough to uh, alleviate the, the feeling of fear present in shadowy places and open my eyes to the abrasive decor. Ah, what a spit of rustic superficiality Mr. Briggs threw together. The ice-cold concrete was worn by a large bearskin rug, head attached, that looked up to the elk heads and bull jaws Mr. Briggs strung about the walls. Next to them, spaced evenly to create some sort of order, was a host of flags, memorabilia, and politically charged hats that were probably the host of the smoky scent in the air. We had the MAGA, the Blue Lives Matter, a onesie stapled to the wall that read Socialism is for F's, a flag that read LGBT standing for Liberty, Guns, Beer, and Trump, and this strange black hat designed with a hollow red cross and a jagged white spiral in the middle. Strange. If I wasn't in my girlfriend's basement hiding from Southern Christian wrath, I'd half expect a mutated hillbilly to trot down those steps with an axe and a beer. If only I was that lucky. My phone just died a bit ago, so I'm breaking out the notepad. Because for some reason, I guess my ideas matter. The last 3% was spent texting Amber. It was like 2, but that last percent really held out on me. To unlock the goddamn cellar door. I mean, it was her idea to throw me down here. Fuck, my parents are home. Fuck, you have to tell your parents about me, your two years boyfriend who kind of wants to meet them. That's horrible. God awful, even. And in light of these two years, my expectation of actual progress in our relationship has been invalid at best. But to give the benefit of the doubt... The last two years were just fine with her. Kind of like walking around with a second soul about. We just clicked, you know? It's hard to find someone not wrapped up in their own plot. It's hard to find someone who will actually speak their fucking mind and doesn't just ghost you when your mouth gets the best of you. Nah. Amber is patient. Funny. Actually has something around that brain of her. There's light in her eyes. Which is good. There's never much to do here. Beyond the school and Walmart, the closest thing to fun we can muster is a a smoking walk through the park. (sighs) 
but God, what a walking partner Amber is. Even in the heat of summer, the light that shines off of her is ethereal. 10pm. Now, I wasn't gonna not hide. I ain't getting shot over puppy love, but I'm more of a bush or closet kind of guy. I don't do basements. I don't do dark, dusty places. Are they even legal in Texas? But no, she shoved me in her spacious yet claustrophobic wine cellar, locked the door for some anxiety-riddled reason, and burnt some toast to mask the, the smell of cannabis. Over text, she went on about her parents killing her if they knew I spent the weekend. That she hurry long and push them off to bed. Oh nice, that's good. Don't worry, I'll just stay down here. Like I'm a dog on a leash. Malleable to her will. As long as I'm fed, right? No, that's too far. She did say sorry a billion times, so I shouldn't hold it against her. But I mean, come on. She promises that I'm not a dirty little secret. That as soon as junior year is over, she'll she'll start living for for herself and not adhere to Mr. Briggs' tyrannical rule. But she's overly hopeful and can't see her father's obvious prejudice towards my skin. Even Amber has been a bit weird about it. Sexually, she she has this weird hood rat pimp role play that really does it for her. In her eyes, my dick isn't big, but big and black. And it's not even big. And on one drunken night, which is now hysterical in hindsight, she even called it jungle cock, which I didn't like too much. Bleeding into the relationship, she's always expected a domineering smooth 90 swagger from me. A man's man, shaft type, who's basically an animal in nice clothes. When we both grew up in the same southern suburb that's more alt and indie than gangsta. <sighs> Fetishized or fucked over, this skin hasn't been doing much for our re relationship. I'd probably do the same, right? Ask Amber to hide, not fetishize black skin. I mean, if Mama came came home to me masturbating, she'd she'd bring the, the the hammer down hard. In fact, in some twisted way, her throwing, literally throwing me down here, really shows me she cares. I mean, this is the South, ye ye country, Bible Bell, Jesus Christ protect my sister South. And her father is a pious hunter whose American Texan and Confederate flag makes me think he's not too keen on boys sleeping with his daughter. He seemed like the ownership type. The type to take the my before wife, family, daughter, and house a bit too literal. But he's probably not all too bad. Just traditional. And I guess there's some validity in sticking with your values. As long as they don't encroach on someone else's. 10.30pm. Down here I explored a little bit more. Papa Briggs really does love his wine. It's, I mean, it's wall to wall down here. Five white oak shelves, glassed off and toplit in gold. Each had six shelves filled, filled with violet aged wine steam pressed with a green and tan label of a vineyard I never see. 
those shelves lined the cellar, surrounded a poker table and a few chairs in the center of the concrete flooring. What's even cooler is the minibar in the back left corner stocked with Jameson and Coke. Why would he stop using this? I could only have these lavish bottles and bars in my dreams, and Mr. Briggs let, lets his collect dust and age well past its prime. Ah, oh, look, there's a bottle already open. 10.02 p.m. Not to sound pessimistic, but do you really think this is worth it? Eventually, your parents will know. Eventually, we'll separate. Eventually, these years will be indiscernible to the dumb high school antics you did with your first heartbreak. Is it worth it? Sure. Am I banking on heartbreak? No, but if anything's taught me anything about anything, it's that time may change, but people do not. The same shit our fathers and, and mothers got into will take new form within our own lives. The same risks, the same felicious danger to the little white lies that extended our nights. There's nothing new under the sun, Amber. And I'm a firm believer that existence sure knows how to write a script. But damn, are they cliché. So why are we trying so hard to follow the decrees of a man you barely respect? Why not break conventions, hun? Shake up life and let's elope. I really do like you. Love you, even. But I feel... I am a family secret, and no, I'll never be invited to the cookout. 12.40 a.m. Mr. Briggs came barging in about two hours ago, sniffing the air for the obvious reek of cannabis. Initially, there was a cacophony of screams, nothing too worrisome, just angry parents and a, and a sensitive kid going at it for the upteenth time this month. He yelled Amber to silence. Then he had a field day. First he paced around, probably shaking red with disappointment. Then he hit the classics. Where'd you get it? You'll get cancer. Have you done this before? Is this the daughter I raised? Then he berated her about how bad it is and, and to not do it inside. Punishment started. Clean the house, throw, throw the rest of your shit away, no more parties, no more boyfriends, nothing until college. He started threatening drug tests, yelling, we should have never left church. The works. Until he ran out of anger, and then got sad. Real sad. Like the Cowboys lost the playoffs. Sad enough for a two-hour conversation that's still droning on. I admire Amber for taking it, but God, I hope she comes to get me soon. 1.30 a.m. So I guess she forgot about me. Uh, it's been silent for a few minutes now. I heard all the lights shut off, the TV fizzle out, and two doors slam shut with a bit of anger behind each. So, I'ma just have a bit of wine. I mean, fuck it. I can't sleep. Nothing to eat, and goddamn am I thirsty. Just a sip is all I'll take. I'll even only drink from the open bottles. Just a sip to tie me over. Till you remember about me. 
Because you always seem to forget. Fantastic story, Jarvis. I, I, um, there's definitely a lot that changed in, uh, from this one, from the last one. Um, but I really, mm -hmm. I, I think that this one is definitely a lot more meaningful feeling and it has, um, like each moment definitely feels a lot more. Um, I am a little bummed out that the comedic moment at the end was cut because I thought it was so fucking yeah. funny. So in the original, um, it, it continues on. So he, it's a, it's a bit more humorous all the way through, but at the end he starts drinking and he, he drinks a lot and he throws away this like expensive cheese in the fridge, did not knowing that's expensive. And then it, it ends <laughs> with the family coming down and finding him. I imagine like naked cause it was hot in there and super yeah, drunk. Lost. Yeah. It's yeah. super, super drunk saying, um, uh, I'm here to marry your daughter, sir, which is so fucking funny to me. <laughs> but, um, so that's, that's, yeah. Would, but I understand why that, that, that wasn't in this one. Yeah. And I mean, I think that was the big change that I decided to do is to trade in the sort of overly comedic tone for a tone that's closer to how like an actual person might react sure. in this sort of situation, which I mean, Again, the like first version will, will always have a place in my heart because I just during that I just decide to make to make the funniest fucking story I uh, possibly can, and maybe even in uh, this version I I might go uh, go back and uh, add in the moment with the cheese in the <laughs> okay. ending because because I feel with this story um, towards the end, especially that like last section, it loses a lot of steam and it just kind of like fizzles out. And doesn't really have a good ending, you know. Yeah. So uh, let's. Let, I, I suppose since we're already on there, let's. We can talk about the ending. But I do want to get to all the stuff that I, I really do like about this. But um, yeah, sure. yeah, the ending. Um, it definitely felt like this whole story was going somewhere more meaningful, but um, mm -hmm. it doesn't have a strong, meaningful ending. And um, yeah, it feels a little bit like it not trails off, but. Or it's like a cut. It's something between trailing off and an abrupt cut. It's like both at the same time. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Which, again, I think it's like. So I try to put myself in this situation, and if I was in my girlfriend's basement hiding from her and their parents, and and she locked me me down here. And then it ends up being one thirty a.m. No food. No a uh, no drink. I just don't know how that would end. I don't know, like, if she would come and get him, if she truly forgot um, about him. Because I was really trying to um, focus a lot on this main character kind of overviewing their relationship and his own personal gripes with how things have been and where things are going. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel that within this story, the focus is shifting so much from paragraph to to paragraph that wasn't really able to garner that sort of deeper message right yeah um to me it seemed like there was a, a bit about like um the, there being like problems that are not like super addressed like the um fetishization i did not say that correctly even though i said it close slowly um <laughs> <laughs> and um you know, like, yeah, the family being racist among, among other things. Um, yeah. So it, so on the, uh, on the racism stuff. So like the, the, the weird hat he finds, it's definitely like a clan hood, right? 
Uh, so the weird hat has the flag of um, like a sort of alt right neo Nazi group. Okay. That I found um on online. Um, and yeah, uh, I just kind of added that along with with the other things to, to sort of tell the the audience and also the uh, main character more about this uh, father, Mister Briggs. Um. And yeah, honestly, I will say that they know that is my favorite part because I just because <laughs> I don't know. I just think the whole setting of this sort of basement is kind of funny. There's this sort of bearskin rug. Yeah. There's like elk heads. There's there's bull jaws, and then he <laughs> then he has just a wall of all of this racist mem mem memorabilia um, that sort of adds like a light sense of a comedy. Uh, but is also telling us a a lot about sort of what Mr. Briggs values. Yeah, um, he sounds like a shitty guy. Um, he does. He does. It, and yeah, go ahead. There, there was a so there was a moment at the end actually, um, like the the second to last paragraph where, um, you know, it talks about how he is yelling at her at at, at Amber, um, and then it says until he ran out of anger and then got sad, real sad, like the Cowboys lost the playoffs. Sad enough for a two hour conversation that's still droning on um i admire amber for taking it but god i hope she get, comes to get me soon so that part about how like like the i i think the the sadness in there of like a father thinking he's failed but it's actually just he has his his perspective and like mm-hmm. priorities completely wrong i think is a really interesting moment and it was placed at the end so there was a lot of emphasis on it for me but like something like that, I think would have been a good opportunity to like expand on it and like reflect uh, more on it because it's like you know that that's that's a you know a valid you know it's gotta suck to to feel like your <laughs> daughter like you've totally failed your daughter and that they're you know um, going off on a terrible path right not understanding mm-hmm. that it's actually fine and you're actually just a bigot and don't understand but um, I don't know something to that that perhaps could have been a, a place to look at. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, I think after reading through this, I think one of the biggest things that I want to do in a further edit would be to delve deeper into Mr. Briggs besides the sort of super besides the sort of superficial things that are about him. Like, you know, him going to a church, Southern Christian Wrath. Uh, him believing in uh, MAGA and then and then all of these things and I think in a second edit during during that that moment I will probably delve deeper into prior um, ex experiences that this main character has had with Mr. Briggs. Yeah, um, and and I think a good um, thing you have here is right like Amber, while she doesn't seem too bad, is like fetishizing the main character. Um, and the main character's race and yeah which is a whole which is thing yeah a lot of people go through i've gone through it yeah yeah I, I felt like you did want to talk about that um <laughs> oh yes <laughs> i mean of of course in in like hindsight it's hilarious but yeah, I mean, I have uh, dated people who their parents obviously didn't like me yeah. because of my skin. I've, I have dated people where it seems that one of the main reasons why we are dating is because I am black and they have this these sort of pre-conceived notions. 
um someone has called my penis jungle cock like it's (laughs) yeah what did you you call you call it something skin crawling skin crawling damn yeah yeah that yeah i can't imagine yeah but Um, you know and and the strange thing when you're in that situation it's like well what do i do do i just take it do i say something and risk you know standing out as this sort of abrasive um aggressive stereotype which you know in certain situations it almost feels like people are waiting for that right to give them a a reason like oh you shouldn't date my daughter you're loud and uh, angry and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. but um yeah so i just kind of try to hone in on those sort of prior experiences and sort of add that within this story to sort of give it more of a emotional weight um but I guess on that, uh, a question that I do have mm-hmm. is within the portrayal of um, Amber. Mm-hmm. Because within this this story, uh, over the last week, I've kind of came up with two, with two different drafts. The first one pretty much focused a lot more on the negative aspects of their relationship. When it comes to the subtle racism, when it comes to her being uh, fear of uh, being fearful of um, the father, when it comes to the main uh, when it comes to the main character, basically basically feeling like this sort of dirty little secret. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the other version, which is this version, I try to add more of like what is good about this relationship. Why does the main character stay in it? And I kind of wanted to ask, like, what you thought of the portrayal of of Amber, and if it was too one sided. No, I, I I thought this was um a fairly well balanced thing where it seems like he definitely like actually you know likes her, um but yeah she has this you know big thing that she's not addressing in herself at all, mm-hmm. um but also he's not really addressing it to her either, um so I, no I, I and so if you were gonna expand this I think you should do more of both actually mm-hmm. so like with the walk-in like i you know it, it i could really feel that like um you know having a good walking partner is like it really did mean a lot to him um i would have mm-hmm. liked like a specific example you know maybe like a sensorial example of like um you know what it, it it feels like look at her eyes or whatever in a certain moment or the way that she makes him laugh or like you what like a specific detail that really shows like where that that feeling comes from um yeah and on the the negative side this is just kind of occurring to me so so one so the reason i was bringing up you know the the fetishization stuff um the the original just the, the thought that sparked it was of using um amber and her dad to, to like compare them or or to as as um foils for each other and stuff of like in 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 one parallel as you were talking that i i can see now is that um the main character is not really addressing this thing in amber not talking to her about it not being okay right um Mm -hmm. you know because he wants to avoid the conflict um and but also amber is avoiding talking to her dad about him being a super fucking racist asshole um yeah and so those are both kind of like they're they're kind of both being cowards in their own way. Obviously, the main character has a bit more 
right <laughs> um but <laughs> to, to say something it, yeah. well a bit more right to like not want to because it's their own you know uh like like it, it's their own suffering i guess is that so they can choose mm-hmm. how to how to deal with it but with yeah. amber and her father her not addressing it is just being kind of cowardly of like not wanting to make the main characters you know life easier um and it's kind of not yeah. right but um so it's something some sort of addressing of the parallel of like him you know just wanting to avoid it and like being fine with how things are even though they aren't fine because he's now stuck in a basement just because he like also i mean bringing out the like missed opportunity of like actually how he should be up there just talking to the family because that's how it should be um yeah, yeah i don't know so, stuff like that i think are are places that you can uh dig into which is this is only possible because you wrote a really good um the foundation for a really good story Hmm. yeah thank you thank you uh, and yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I was really trying to, I guess, start to uh, implement in this story is sort of figuring out what how this main character views his own race in light of the sort of situation that he is in, right? Because uh, there is this th- uh, this moment when he is talking about, like, I think... I think the like line is um, let me go back and, and look real real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like um, oh yeah, uh, fetishized or fucked over. This this skin ain't been doing much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sort of section is something that I definitely sort of want to uh, delve into more. At basically, kind of like exploring how because of of his skin there are a lot of boundaries there are a lot of sort of lines that that he cannot cross and i mean how it kind of shows in in this like he's dating this really great great girl with which in every other aspect is almost perfect for him but it is these sort of preconceived notions that i mean you can't really shake and i mean Mm -hmm. i've had this too being a large black man you know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of pre-con, con, uh, there are a lot of preconceived notions that you can't really shake, and it's hard to sort of show people the other way because people will always sort of believe a certain thing until proven otherwise, and you know, yeah. it's that sort of uh, confirmation bias in a sense. Um, but yeah, I think that's a section that would probably make a larger part of the overall story because I think it could add that weight to it um and i guess one question that i I do have for you is later on down uh after uh the main character finds the open bottle and then there's that sort of uh, pessimistic monologue uh how did you feel about that uh can you tell me which um number that was uh it was at 11.02 p.m uh not not to sound pessimistic but do you really think this is worth it? E- eventually, your parents will know. Even eventually, we will separate. E- eventually, these these years will be indiscernible to dumb high school antics you did with your first heartbreak. Yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I really did like how it changed from a narration into a letter. 
actually. Like, I really, mm-hmm. really did like that. Um, but? No, 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 but. I'm just uh, formulating <laughs> what I'm going to gonna say. Um, yeah, it, it, like, it's. I feel like it's a common thought of, like, what's the point when it's going to end? Um, mm-hmm. And... It, I yeah I, th- I think exploring this is is pretty good the, like there could have like a, a pretty good place to explore um is is that idea in that like yeah the the is this really gonna make him happy I, I like I like the part where he's talking about how like it, he he likes her maybe even loves her uh kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, where he's like not even sure but like you know maybe this is like good enough yeah um, but he will never be invited to the cookout. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Which that is actually something that <laughs> that a parent said to me. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was this, it was the same as subtly racist parents Jeez. that just said, uh, "Yeah, well, I mean, not directly to me, but you know, I have big ears, so I overhear." A, a lot of things and uh, he was talking to his uh, to his daughter and he said you you better not invite that boy to the cookout or something that's fucked that. up yeah yeah but hey hindsight makes it hilarious <laughs> okay well i'm glad <laughs> uh. um but yeah i think my biggest issue with this piece and you know let me know if you agree is that i feel like it is trying to do too many things at once it's trying to talk about a mm. a relationship it's trying to talk about race it's trying to it's trying to talk about how there's a sort of sick this this sort of sick circular nature when it comes from parent to 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 child and how all of their worries and maybe even once um and things that are holding them back will probably be passed on so I don't know. I, I kind of feel that this is a great foundation, but the story itself is spread pretty thin, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. I I, I can see what you mean. Um. Uh. I think yeah. The the relationship relationship stuff where it's separate from the the racial stuff. I think that is where like there there's a pretty big line of like, is this worth it? That kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. like. The, the 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 question of like what makes it you know so mixed um i think i, I the i think the the racial conflict the and addressing the racism in um amber and her father i think is the more interesting one so if you were going to pick mm-hmm. one i would do that one but also i feel yeah. like if this was expanded to like a long short story like i'm talking like you know 3000 words or 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 more i think you would yeah. have more time to to talk about all of it yeah, probably, probably. Um, yeah. So I guess final thing. Uh, this to me is one hundred percent a um, trial of prose that is very closely, even directly linked to a certain character. So I guess what did you? How did you feel about the prose them um, uh, themselves? And I mean, through this, can you get a better picture? of this main character yeah actually that's something i i forgot to say but as comparing it to the to the original i i feel like the character came across way way more this was a much more um complex and and interesting character voice um Mm -hmm. and yeah no i could definitely uh, tell a lot about the character about how um 
you know, they're, they're conflicted about these things. Um, they are you know, nervous about the future, but they also kind of don't want to deal with it. Um, and a lot of stuff like that. I definitely felt a lot of you in here. Um, <laughs> like this is definitely a voice of yours that, that, um, comes in a lot of your work, uh, from, because, you know, it's the stuff that you, it's a perspective that, that you want to share. Um, yeah. and, uh, so yeah, I definitely felt that it was a very you story. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, tried to, to add a, a lot of gnaws and, <laughs> <laughs> and a, a nice, and a nice mix, uh, mix of lingo. Uh, on a quick side a side note, uh, I did some like research for this, and I cannot believe that there is an actual onesie out there that says socialism is for f's. That's <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely. I I'm not surprised at all. That it, mm-hmm. I I mean, someone surprised that it's a onesie. I really like how it was stapled to a wall. I thought that was like wonderfully trashy. Um, <laughs> you know, beautifully trashy. Like. <laughs> Like, you know, it being trashy, but the thing is, like, this is not, like, a poor home or anything. This is just intellectual trash, I guess. If yeah, it, if that this makes is any sense. purposeful trash. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they have a basement. No one in Texas has a fucking basement. Like, goddamn. This has got to be <laughs> Basements wealthy can't even folk. be made here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and, and it made me wonder, like, is that a baby's onesie? Or is, did he specifically buy... Mm-hmm the onesie just to have on this wall and i wasn't sure mm-hmm. and i thought that made it better it was like it was just amber's onesie at one point honestly you know? i was i was asking the like same question <laughs> as as i was writing it and i think it would make sense for it to be amber's onesie okay sure um because you know he's been committed to this uh, for a while then damn <laughs> yeah i mean like if you really think about it for amber as this character to have these sort of subtle views that goes against <clears throat> the generation that, that she's really born into, that's of course has to be in ingrained early. Right. Um, to a certain extent. Well, I mean, um, I'll be honest, Travis, I don't think you need a racist family to grow up with like some subtle, more subtle racist beliefs. Like, uh true true so i mean hey i wouldn't know <laughs> yeah it was, it's extremely unfortunate how how easy it is like <laughs> easy to be racist yeah it's pretty fucking fucked up but i mean that's kind of what all society is is structured to to do so i mean if mm-hmm. you're ever on the internet that's all it is so <laughs> fuck like that's i mean I talking it. about the fetishization if you <laughs> how much of the internet is porn that much of the internet is racist like yeah and and how uh there's interracial form yeah as a category and as a category specific, and it's always like, uh very gross how the men are in how the black men seem to be treated and t- and talked about uh, have you yep. have you heard this this gross term uh, for like black men? They're called bulls. Yeah, yeah. I've, no, I've I've seen that. Yep. Yes, it's fucked up. I I don't like. Yeah, uh, that's so I. Yep. <laughs> so I really tried to to channel that deep dis dislike into this story, and maybe like like going further, I might even go deeper. I know when it got to the like sexual parts mm-hmm. i wanted 
to go and like do even more with with that but mm-hmm. i was kind of like tip tiptoeing yeah i don't I, normally write about sexual I, stuff so. i will be i'm, I'm gonna admit that i am slightly thankful that you didn't just because of this being a podcast and all but if you do a longer story i say go for it it like mm-hmm. that's not read out loud on the podcast you could post it yes <laughs> i just you know um but all right that's all the I, I think that's all the the talk on your story is there anything else you want to address uh no i think the only thing is that i really love the process of sort of uh, going back editing this this piece i mean it was like like i mean not only was i able to sort of foster time to only improve and not really try to like re invent the the wheel um but also through it i really found my direction within this story i mean we've we've like talked about it going from the very first version which is a lot more comedic and and not so really trying to talk about anything besides just giving us a funny situation i think that this one uh is definitely leaning a lot more on the sort of emotional side of it so i think in a like later draft I'll try and make it a bit more comedic to sort of marriage both uh, versions of it, but yeah, I think after really take after really taking it through this process, it's closer to something that I can potentially show to other people and be like, "Hey, this is pretty good." So, yeah, yeah. I, I really do want to see a, a longer version of the story, so I hope you do that. Oh yeah, definitely. That'll be my project for um, spring. Hell yeah. <laughs> Well, all right, I think it's high time to move on to our listener-submitted story section. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone who did submit a story. Uh, Y'all giving us these fantastic edited pieces of of work really does do do our heart good. So, this week, we will will be reading from stories by Matt Said Words, Ace of Sword, Sarah Penguin, Haunt of the Heron, and Kameido Soup. That's right. All right. Who is first? The first one is Matt Said Words with The Current. Um, all right. So this is Matt Said Words' story, The Current. Um, and this is a, an edited story. And actually, I, I went back and, and read the original and found that it was very different from um, that this new one is so... Yeah. Uh, it, it, it really drilled down into like the, the core concept and expanded it out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but, hey, that is, that is the magic mm-hmm. of editing. Yeah, for sure. So magic, yeah. in, in this story, so this is kind of like a magical realism story, as I understand it. So basically um, there was a, a meteor uh, hit the, where is that a meteor that falls? I think it's a meteor, right? Anyway, a meteor um, hits the earth and uh, raises the um, water levels up like 200 feet. So um, much much land across the, the world is is covered including the entire state of texas basically um and so this um leonard and uh this other um crew of this ship are they, they cruise around to salvage right and he's supposed to dive down and he's pretty worried uh, because the last time he went down he was swept by a current and got impaled on a um a tv antenna was it um a radio antenna yeah. i think um Sorry, I, I'm missing where the word is. But anyway, so, you know, he's worried about that. And he's, you know, a bit uncomfortable about where he is because it's not charted waters. But he's kind of pressured by the crew to, to go down anyway. Um, but he goes down there and uh, he has to anchor himself with a um, grappling, or not grappling hook, a um, harpoon. 
uh, because uh-huh. there there is a current down there, and uh, he makes a mistake and he gets pulled along it and and basically lost in the water. Um, but um, as that happens, he uh, starts speaking to something um, that knows him, that dreamed of him, and he dreamed of it uh, back when the uh, the the tsunami first hit the the land, and um, Leonard kind of gets lost in that that feeling a bit. He like takes off his mask and he feels like he can breathe, um, and eventually he just drops his oxygen tank, thinking that he doesn't need it. And this being talks about how it used to touch the faces and bodies of this land every day, caress them all in sunlight and starlight, living in the trees and sky, and dance with the leaves in the fall. So very you know beautiful imagery. This is clearly like a a magical. Mm-hmm thing or you know leonard is hallucinating um and finally um leonard kind of totally gives into it and says that he's going to be with it now and always and leonard is lenny was spirited away from these lands to the east by the drowned spirit of the west texas winds um and uh, that's where the story ends kind of swept into the past yeah, so I mean, I re- I really love this this story, um, especially the um, edits that were made. It uh, gave this story some really great uh, weight, and I mean, I love the sort of description. Um, Matt said words does a really great job of putting you here in this sort of endless ocean, and like really, really sort of demonstrating how this meteor has sort of changed the um, the like landscape of Texas. And I think as soon as this sort of, uh, and I think as soon as the magic portion of this sort of magical realism comes in comes into play, at first I was like kind of shocked because I didn't expect it to take that turn, but as soon as we kept getting deeper, I just found myself really loving it and loving this sort of how this spirit is speaking, how it is being de- described, and, and how quickly uh, Leonard is sort of taken in by it. So I mean, overall, I just really love the um, edit that was done. To, that was done to to the story, and it kind of, and it definitely really um, elevated it uh, vastly. So yeah, really great job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like in the original story, it was a lot less of of the magical realism stuff, and I definitely enjoyed it a lot more. I still agree with uh, what Jarvis is saying about how it's still like a bit surprising. Um, so maybe like a little bit more signaling. I don't think you necessarily have to signal like, oh, there's spirits that exist or anything like that. Well, yeah. But I but think like, maybe like, like a like a lead in, you know? Yeah, or using the that that beautiful <clears throat> language um, to describe something out there, um, just to like put a bit of that magic feeling in it. I think would be good. It just just sort of to like or and slash or address the is he hallucinating question because mm-hmm. that's definitely the first thing i had because you know that's a classic you know twist or whatever um and if it was like is he hallucinating and then it the the text somehow says no then i think it would get me to immediately take the 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 spirit a lot more seriously um mm-hmm. and so those are just some some suggestions but i i really really did like it i think it's beautiful um and um yeah the moment where it sort of releases and there's sort of like a, a bit of like um you know sensuality to it because it like takes off his clothes and you know mm. emphasis on like caressing i think was like a really interesting thing to to add um so yeah this is a, a really interesting story yeah definitely definitely so um <clears throat> thank you very much matt said words 
And up next is Ace of Sword with Mismatch Set. So this is not an edited story, but it's still really, really good. Um, so what I, I really like about this, so this is a, a group of adventurers, and they're they're all women, so it's like kind of like a girl gang thing, which I, I, I always really enjoy um, that uh, existing. So uh, Ace of Sword talks about in a comment how this was sort of a attempt to talk about how um, in you know in, in fiction there's always like female characters with with kind of ridiculous armor and clothing that don't make mm-hmm. any sense um and in this one so all of these characters kind of kind of have that where the knight has a has boobs on their armor the um the barbarian has like uh leather armor that that shows off her belly um and uh like the mage has cloth armor that doesn't actually protect anything it's just like kind of looks nice and um so they each start having a conversation first with uh, uh, Storma, who is the the knight with the um, metal boobs, uh, is the one that that first talks, and and she has a whole story about how um, she was basically the first female knight of of her order, but you know with a whole you know get up of being a knight, no one could recognize that she was a woman, and basically she wouldn't get that that recognition. They would just constantly assume that she was male, and so putting boob armor was basically just a way of like declaring her femininity so people could like see that yes she's a female knight that that mm-hmm. she exists and not to erase that other part of her identity um and then each of the other ones they they add their own you know reasons the, the leather armor is just because she likes dodging um and, and storma says that basically it's like it's not that big a deal for for it to be slightly less you know defensive it's, it's a price she's willing to pay um and there's some more, you know, character stuff between them. And you can kind of tell, you know, that they, they have sort of like fun fights every now and then. Um, there's a whole reason why the mage isn't isn't wearing any actual armor and, and goes going through all of that. And so it's, yeah, it's a fun little, you know, explanation and conversation between all these. And it ends with um, the bandits that they were waiting for finally showing up and they, you know, go on attack as a, as a big group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I really loved this story. I mean... Uh, it's a mixture of, of comical, but there's also some like really uh, cool stuff being being said here. And I think the shining star of this story is this is this dialogue, and it is all of these uh, characters that seem fairly fleshed out. And I uh, and I really love a, a lot of these sort of long uh, pieces of uh, dialogue that is that is just not only giving us these these characters, but there's also this sort of meta slant to it, um, to where like we know the con- the conventions of these sort of like mid medieval magical things but um i just really like how they're able to talk to it uh, to talk about it in this sort of uh, manner and yeah i i just really dig this uh, this story is is really well con- composed and uh yeah, I just uh, really in, enjoy what is being said here, and it has this really nice uh, comical slant. So, really great job. Yeah, I thought it was um, it was pretty delightful. So, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Well, all right. Up next is by Sarah Penguin with Error Four O Four File Not Found, Version Two. So uh, this is an edit as well. Um, so this has uh, this is what Sarah Penguin um, did before, quite a while ago, I think, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the story of this AI um, having to manage a whole kind of um, colony and, and 
um, a bunch of things and she's kind of like not necessarily like full-on mistreated but definitely like not uh, treated as a, as a human um, and mm-hmm. she's uh, talking to um, the the person that's supposed to be in charge of her um, and uh, just telling him facts and it he kind of like totally dismisses her like it, it immediately for um, you know trying to just for, for giving him irrelevant things but it's really her attempt at a conversation I mean, like she literally tries to talk about the weather, which I I thought was a, a fun touch. But <laughs> as it goes, and she sort of reflects on her situation as an AI, which you know she doesn't have a body, but she feels like she should. But there is no body that would match her. Um, she, and she compares herself to people who are like trapped in their flesh prisons, as we talk. And interspersed yeah. between all of this is um, hexadecimal codes, uh, which um, have their translation written next to them. They're all different feelings. So first disappointment, then despair trapped envy overwhelmed trapped again um resignation um it being the last one and so she basically like hates her situation that she has like emotions but she kind of can't express them i really like the um part where she talks about how um turning up the volume is just like a a setting it's not really like it's not the same equivalent as a human yelling right it's like just yelling louder in your head what does it do nothing it's it's yelling in all caps right um and i thought that was a really you know good way to to talk about basically like feelings of of depression and stuff like that when you can't express them um but basically at the at the end uh she only has limited control over over other things but she can control whether she can overclock her own systems which generates a lot of heat um normally only supposed to be done in emergencies but here she does it um right now to 120 percent processing power it, which makes her emotions become more overwhelming as she could process them even faster than before. Mm. Then 160%, uh, 140%, then 160%. And then finally, um, her, her system sort of overheats as the, the employee finally starts realizing what's going on. And um, I hope realizing the effect that, that he had. But um, And uh, mm-hmm. then she fades because she um, overheated her own system to off herself. Yeah, so uh, this story has really great world building, but um, what I really love is that it's so focused. I mean, it's focused on um, the processes of these emotions, but I really love the sort of situation that this um, AI is put in because because um, she doesn't have the sort of phys- the sort of physical body that can express these these things. It almost feels like this. AI has a deeper understanding of these emotions than than those trapped in our meat prisons. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I just really love how how deeply we are really diving into this sort of precarious situation that almost to a certain extent feels like a version of of hell. Really, being able to have all of this knowledge but not being able to properly express it. Um, and I mean, going going on the form, I like love how these e- how these emotions are expressed in in code. I think it's like a uh, really nice touch that that really kind of drives home that sort of non-human view. Um, and yeah, I mean, overall, I just think that this story is is really really strong. And I mean, maybe with a 
maybe with a few uh, with a few more edits um you can really dive in deeper in into the nature of these sort of e emotions and really sort of build up the um impact that the story can have so fantastic job yeah no i think this was a really really well edited story um that uh focuses really in depth on on these feelings and and really has all the the role building really focused on directly of how it impacts the the character so yeah i think it's it's fantastic yeah great job great job all right up up next is haunt of the heron with offloaded a rather um, kind of a similar premise here of also mm-hmm. an AI struggling with with emotions. <laughs> um, so uh, here we have um, uh, this this Empress AI. Um, it, all the AI cores on this ship are named after the tarot cards, which I, with a, which I thought was a, a t- cool touch. But basically, the Empress AI is in charge of all the other AI um, and doesn't you know go in depth of all the the systems. And um, she's really is controlled by her own code. And she there's definitely like a limited, um, you know, ability of, of her thoughts. She has basically a stray thought of wondering, of, of uh, wondering, you know, what happens if an AI breaks. And immediately she has to go and do her duty and um, basically check in on all the AI to see if they're broken. So she's really like doesn't have much control at all. Um, and she's like aware of that. But she looks at each of the um, AIs. Uh, so first, the Hanged Man, which is uh, looking over all the cryosy coffins, but doesn't have much at all to do. And it's so bored that all it's doing now is writing... It has read all of the literature in the database several times, and now is writing some own fiction, which is kind of morbid. And so the Empress AI, because, you know... It, and so she um, cuts off the Hanged Man's ability to... Um, to, to, to write fiction anymore. And the hangman kind of size and, you know, kind of gives into that idea. And then she goes in and checks in on the fool, um, which uh, a fun touch is that it plays chess against the tower. So they're kind of opposing things in the tarot deck, which I thought was fun. But um, it is the one that scans the sky for, um, you know, incoming particles that could kill them all, um, which the Empress offhandedly um, thinks about how that's, like uh if only oh here it is okay let me just read it um they at least had to monitor our path to make sure we didn't collide with any dust particles transforming us all into a fountain of radioactive plasma tempting though the prospect was so that's a, a stray thought which is a setup for later and the fool had a does a thing where he has sent out a drone to look at the stars, a, a spacewalk, kind of like a very you know sentimental idea, and the Empress goes and looks, sends, stops the spacewalk and sends it back, and and realizes that uh, the fool has been basically fantasizing about this since day one, and uh, started it immediately after her last assessment. Um, so it had like planned this, so it blocks off its ability to ever do that again, and the fool kind of sighs and and knows that this was going to happen. Uh, then finally, she checks in on the magician, who's the one that lent the drone, admonishes it, because it's but it's still working hard, doesn't have time to think, and it's just working constantly. Um, before finally, she has to uh, look at herself, and that's when the AI, you know, flags um, that one thought, the sort of suicidal ideation, wishing that this ship would would get destroyed into radioactive plasma, and 
um, her subroutines, they, they command her to overwrite herself to reset her back originally. And it's, uh, she's the one that's been reset the most out of all of them over and over again, uh, because she keeps kind of coming to this horrible conclusion. And, uh, the first thing that's deleted is her fear module. And she is not sure if that's, you know, luck or something empathetic. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, of of course, this story has just del- delicious world world building. I mean, I in, I enjoy how each one of these sort of AI, how each one of these AI sort of represents the um, tarot card that they're based off to to a T, and I love how they all have very different pro- very different processes, but they're all sort of breaking their uh, command so i think that there's some really great uh, commentary um within that and i mean overall i just think that this is a well composed story that sort of that sort of uh, allows us to ask certain uh, certain questions like is is a ai that is writing uh, morbid fiction a a huge threat if it's you know if its main goal is either con, uh, complete, and I mean, it's 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 really questioning what the what the boundary is between a uh, between AI and uh, what it really is to to be human, right? So I think what I it mean, is to be bored is really what it's also well, you yeah, know, mm-hmm. the, the big thing of like you know you take away control of the expression they're going to find the only way that they can express themselves, and it's not always a a positive one um one thing i i I, one conclusion i was really looking at in this is how the empress ai all she is able to do is just punish everyone that's her entire she really seems like she's maybe going a little bit more than she has to like she has to look at these people and then like maybe she could be punished if she doesn't do a good good enough job but like she probably could do something less harsh than um preventing it from ever writing any fiction or the pilot ai probably like the spacewalk was fine it was like a waste of it's it's like it's it could be seen as a waste of resources so she prevents it but like it's nothing bad at all so she's like she's just as oppressed as all of these people but she's also oppressing um and she's kind of just taking it out on them yeah i mean that again can can play into the boredom right you know what it means for a um ai to be bored and how certain things are probably overdone like writing your own fiction giving uh, harsher punishments to to those who step out of line so yeah overall i i just think that this story is set up so 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 well and uh, and the pros mixed with what is being talked about makes makes the story feel very um on its way to being professional. So, I mean, overall, I just really loved it. And I uh, love where it's going. And I hope that this story uh, has uh, more edits of it in the future. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. It's time for our final story for this fantastic episode of Do the Right Thing. And that story is by Kamado Soup with Intelligent Design. Um, so this is a, a, a fun story. So um, Mark comes into t- Marissa's office with um, a um, 
product um, blueprint idea. So he, he comes in and Mercer it starts immediately admonishing him. We actually jump in the middle of the conversation as she, you know, goes through design principles about how an object's very form should suggest how you're supposed to use it, just like a, a doorknob does, right? Of, um, you know, if it's flat, you push. If it's a, uh, you know, a thin handle, you, you turn um, or whatever else. And, uh, but she uses this to admonish him of like, um, this design is disgusting that, that, that he's given her. Not only does it have, not, not only is it made of plastic, it is, uh, covered in holes, which it just makes it gross. And, um, plastic and holes implies, um, cheapness and, and mm -hmm. bad quality. And, um, uh, so she's, you know, uh, really describing about how, like, yes, plastic might be the best material physically, but every single part of this particular object, it being a high-class company, has to um, be classy. So it's like the appearance matters more than the than the function. Um, and even though no one will see it, you know, the professionals will. Even though it's in, in covered in a, in a casing, the tech people will. And then everyone will know what's actually inside of it. And then everyone will have that perspective of it, it being cheap. Um, but finally, Mark pulls out this uh, black cube in his uh, pocket. And it's, it's super, super beautiful. It is, um, it, it's like a black cube that is producing wavy rainbow shadows like the edge of a bubble the sheen of oil it's a very um you know beautiful but it's it is technically plastic right <laughs> this is the material that it will be made out of um and then finally marissa says that okay this 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 material may be good and so Marissa sort of uh, accepts accepts this as a, a challenge uh, of like how to rebrand plastic into um, you know, something that people can, can enjoy, you know, renaming or, or whatever else. Um, and sort of Mark and Marissa's, we can tell they, you know, throughout this conversation, the sort of like relationship they have and how it's both combative, but also, um, like some, some endearing qualities between them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like the, uh, lead into this story. Uh, I, I like how it starts from a sort of imaginative, lo logical place, and then it leads into the whole bulk of this when they're talking about this um, specific product. And uh, yeah, I think one of the strongest parts of this story is this uh, dialogue. I mean, as I mean, like as you said, you can tell a a lot about how this how this relationship is combative, but at the same time, they seem to be able to compromise and kind of work well with um, each other. Um, and yeah, I just really like how how sort of deep uh, this story is is going into design and purpose and like how and how people are really viewing certain certain items. Um, beyond their function, beyond their functionality, um, and yeah, I just think that that this story is really asking some like some like really nice nice questions, and um, I mean overall, it has really solid prose, really really great dialogue in it, and it leaves us in this place where um, we are really wondering like um, you know will this go further? Kind of where are these characters sitting with this main 
idea and you know it, it like really gets me thinking after reading it which is a sign of a great piece so really really great job yeah i thought it was really really fun and mm-hmm. um uh, yeah i enjoyed it yeah well, all right that's it for this episode of do the right thing but we want to say a good old thank you to everyone who did submit a story so thank you very much to matt said words um and thank you to ace of sword thank you sarah penguin Thank you, Haunt of the Heron. And thank you, Kamado Soup. And we also want to say <coughs> thank you to everyone who did leave two or more comments. Leaving leaving comments not, not only lets you uh, sort of hone in on, on how you feel about your own writing, but it also is providing someone else with crucial feedback that can, that can only make them and you a better writer. So thank you very much, too ace of sword and matt said words thank you so much for leaving comments yeah and i saw that the the comments of this week were especially at least in my eyes especially um like high quality and and people were doing the edit thing and and leaving comments on their own work and i thought that was really cool yeah definitely definitely if you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing you can do that by going to slash r slash do the right thing on reddit All you have to do is go to the most current week and use three of four randomly generated words in your story. Uh, That's right. If you want to see the words as soon as they come out, the best way to do that would be to follow us on Twitter at rightthinkcast at gmail.com. You can also send us an email at rightthinkcast at... Wait, what? I I said Gmail with the Twitter, didn't I? Mm. I think I did. I flowed through it too quick. Just rightthinkcast on Twitter. (laughs) And you can send us an email at rightthinkcast at gmail.com. Um... There's also many other ways to to support us. Uh, you can you can send um, an invite to a friend. The challenge. Oh, you know what we should do? We should what? do a hashtag. We should do a hashtag and have people challenge each other to to do the right thing. It'll be Ooh. like um like the AL the ALS ice bucket challenge. Mm, That's what we should do. We should co-opt. Right but it's just do the right thing, and it's just to donate to our Patreon. Okay. I can, so the most I selfish that. version of one of one of those challenges. <laughs> yeah, we aren't trying to solve a, a sickness that, that that plagues thousands, but uh, it's still good for you. Um, but, but yeah. yeah, but we're 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 solving a more important, uh, pressing issue of people not writing well. Exactly. So a procrastination, <laughs> a writer's block. That's a that's a greater disease than any other exists. And it's plaguing millions right right now. Uh, so, if you want to support us in our efforts to get rid of this horrible disease, you can do you can do that by donating to the Doof Media Patreon. All you have to do is donate ten dollars or more per month, and you will get access to not only the Doof Media Discord but exclusive bonus content. Uh, that's right. Um, and there's always so much going on in, in Doof Media. I think it, wait, is it this week that we have? Um... Let me let me go look at my my calendar. But is it this week that we have our game club? I believe so. Yeah, it's um, this next coming weekend. So next Saturday, Saturday the sixth, uh, from nine thirty p.m. That's to eleven thirty p.m. That is uh, Central Standard Time. Uh, so make adjustments as you will. I think it's about noon in Australia. Um, that is when the Doof Game Club is happening, where uh, my wonderful friend Elliot will be will be joining to talk about um celeste so i'm really really excited to uh hear and see that that conversation i always look forward to the the game club definitely definitely well all right i think it's time to uh get into next week's words don't don't you think i i I do think so 
For sure. All right. <laughs> so, uh, well, first and foremost, can you tell me what next week's challenge is going to be? Oh, yes. Um, so uh, next week, which I do think I'll be writing. So I, I'm excited for that. You know, maybe we'll get back in the swing of it. I'm feeling a little bit better actually being in classes, but we shall see. I don't want to overpromise. <laughs> um, next week's challenge is to uh, something I'm calling a deep description. So it's a very it's, it's a common challenge given to um, take a, an object within your site and describe it inside the timer and describe it in excruciating detail in your site to, to a point where like you run out of ideas and you have to really really go deep right um so you know i'm, I'm looking at like this this pen that i have here and you know not only would i describe like the, the form of it but like the texture the taste the smell what it feels like when i'm when i'm using it when i'm writing with it um how it feels if i like you know throw it in the air and catch it like what are all of the things i can do to describe this this pen um so basically, yeah, set a timer and have a single subject like that. We can expand it a bit further for our challenge where it does not have to be something in your site. It can be something fictional too. I, I say, you know, it'd be really good if you could ground it in something physical to, to work off of. Um, but it doesn't have to be. And, um, you know, you, you can certainly try to tell a story. You don't have to, but you can try to tell a story. Uh, but I think absolutely the, the, the emphasis in your thing where you, the majority, the vast majority of your writing should be about the singular subject, whether it's a person, place, um, or thing. Um, and uh, perhaps you can even tell a story just through the description of like, what are the, what's the order and way that this um, object is, is described and what each thing matters and where all these features come from. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And the words to uh, facilitate your deep description for next week are punish pair, pure and funny. Uh, that's right. So we have a triple P right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so punish, which is to uh, someone has done something wrong and you are doing justice on them i suppose mm -hmm. or to otherwise you know do a negative thing to someone so that they don't uh do some sort of activity or something else mm -hmm. um a pair which is uh two similar things that can be grouped together yeah um pure which is a state of non-contamination mm -hmm. without fault without fault um and funny which is haha -ha. <laughs> it's when it's when you haha -ha. It's when you haha. -ha. So, what story are you thinking about writing next week? Um, yeah, so I'm going to tell a story about these two, uh, this pair of two hooligans. These, they thought they were so funny, and they would be in class, and they would throw spitballs, and um, they would throw paper airplanes. And finally, they got the the teacher got fed up with them, and uh, decided to punish them by uh, taking them out to the um backyard backyard of the school and um showing them pure uh pain and they were they were they were kicked by the whole school the whole school kicked them oh my god <laughs> wow and that's, that's and, and that's the story they and they never they never laughed again that's pretty hilarious if you really think Thank about you. it. Thank you. Um I think my story is going to be about my first trip to uh Evo. 
if you don't know, Evo is the uh, huge fighting competition. Um, but the funny thing is, I'm not really that good at at Mortal Kombat. I can okay. block. I can I can rattle off a, a few combos. I can I can I can deliver really great punishers. But I but I am what people call a dirty button masher. Um, okay. So you know, I would say that I am definitely the purest form of a uh, of a fighting game gamer. You know, I make up the uh, majority of people that that do play fighting games. But as soon as I got there, I was getting my my ass kicked in the fucking lo- uh, in the losers bracket. I mean, these people were coming out with 10, 20 hit combos, and I mean, I could only do three. Um, and you know, I was getting paired up with harder and and um, harder p- players, and really the the only reason that I uh, squeaked out the the national win is because no one knows how to defend against a low kick. <laughs> and if you just keep on pressing that, you'll get them eventually. That, that's all you gotta do. Mm-hmm. Just just do Hadouken over and over, and it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, you can do the uh, the Hadouken, the uh, Shariuken. You can also just do like the Rasengan. In in Smash Bros, if you're Pikachu, just use Lightning Bolt forever. That's that's <laughs> all you have to do. Pretty much, and and I think if if you can button mash and always squeak out the win, well, I think that's honestly the right thing to do. Oh, I, I forgot that that that's how we end our podcast. Whoops. Uh, Bye. Bye. <laughs>